What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm your supporter tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, lads? Let's just start the show. <laughs> There's so much to talk about, and I have a bunch of feelings. So, yeah, let's let's do this shit. All right. I mean, because we've already seen uh, this story a couple of times in the past, we're going to table the Mourinho firing for a second, and we're going to go with the big topic that I think we'll have a we'll have a nice reason discussion about the effects of what is being deemed and formally named as the European Super League. For those listening not just to us for the first time, but about this, it's essentially a bunch of clubs, including all the big uh Premier League names, the big six as they're normally called, along with Real Madrid, Barcelona um, Atletico Madrid and a couple uh, or three of the Italian teams as well have gone on to form their own league, get away from uh, the Champions League and play these games instead. And there's a huge financial incentive to this. A whole lot. If you haven't read about the whole proposal, do make sure to go read that before you formulate all your opinions. And all right, let's discuss because, I mean, as you've said already, there's a lot to talk about. Will, I'm going to come to you first because you have been very vocal about this. So how do you feel? Talk to us. So I really had to sit and put my words together before I said this. And just to alert the fans, this is an episode where I don't have a beer or a drink in my hand. I'm stone cold sober because I wanted this to make the most sense. There's a couple things that that really bother me about this. And I think the number one thing that's really kind of pissed me off is that from all reports I've heard today, half of the people who are part of these clubs didn't know shit until they found out. Some of the players, did, like, there have been talks about it in advance, but it being announced on that day was news to most of those people, including the supporters and the players. That's really shit. Like, you should know what's happening just in the general sense. And even if, you've, if you're behind the scenes and you feel like it's building towards that, you should still share that with other people. Um... This plan has been in the pipes for a long time. Uh, the Super League has been a thing that's been tossed around a thousand times. This seems like it's finally going to come to fruition. And I don't vibe with it. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and go, they've stolen the soul of my game and everything like that. Because low-key, I'm not fucking from Merseyside. Like, I'm a proper American. And this league is kind of run like my leagues are run. So I can't sit here and talk out of the side of my mouth when I'm a fucking MLS fan. However, there is something really seedy, really money grabby and really shitty about this from these 12 clubs. I went on a Reddit thread just seeing how fans felt around everything. And most of our fans seem kind of pissed about it. The only people who seem to be okay with it are the guys in Spain. And even they, even they have some questions about it. It's such a money grab that it should make you just furious out of the gate. With that being said, the people they're grabbing the money from are just as fucking bad. And the thing I may get lost here is that, like, yeah, there are people complaining about this Super League doing this, whatever, but we also need to be making complaints about the fact that FIFA hasn't done enough to not have this happen, that UEFA hasn't done enough to not have this happen. There's a really, really good point to be made that UEFA finally stepped up and did some shit when it was about their money, but they didn't do a single thing when people like me get fucking made fun of. So I don't think anyone comes out of this looking good. The only people who you kind of feel for here are the players. I want more opinions of players. I want to see how they feel about it. 
Klopp tried his best to not fucking headbutt a reporter. Uh, he seemed super frustrated during that, that interview. Uh, who was benefiting from this aside from a bunch of rich white dudes and, like, you know, maybe a cable company who gets a really good deal? Like, the fans don't benefit from this. I don't want to see Liverpool play Real Madrid every single season and, like, not get rele- not get relegated from a league that I don't think – if we're not good, why are we there? And, like, that's the – I have so many feelings that it's impossible to put them out, but just right now it's just disappointment in everything. And everybody who has their hand in this has is fucked up. Like on any side, any governing body is the most corrupt thing in the world. And it just fucking sucks, dude. Like I wish I had a better opinion. I wish I could give you guys some better thoughts. It just feels like you've been betrayed and it's a business. I get it. But like, that's American sports franchises. This this is supposed to mean more. They fucking wrote the shit all over the walls and then they sold you down the river. I just, I don't know, man. It's really shitty. I've been really hot about it all day. No one looks good in this and I don't particularly like anybody involved with this. So if I got to fucking watch Georgia Tech women's soccer instead of Liverpool, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Braden, before you go, uh, I, I just wanted to say because we'll brought this up, it would have been fucking amazing if they just said Super League it means more. I would have died laughing. <laughs> I would have jumped out a fucking window, dude. <laughs> I would have burned Fenway down myself. Yeah, so there's a lot to break down. I do think there's a lot that's shitty about this. I, I think one of the shittiest things about it is that a lot of owners, specifically Arsenal in this case, this isn't the case for all clubs, but specifically Arsenal, it's kind of just been a statement of like, oh, we're joining this. And, like, that's going to leave Arteta out to dry in press conferences, much like I think Klopp felt like today. Like, And, and that's not who should be taking heat for this. The, the people who should be taking heat are the executives of the clubs. I, I don't really want to go too far down on that because, like, coaches and players, I think, were caught just as surprised as this as, like, all of us were on it. As far as the league itself goes, though, like, I, I think right now there's currently a lot of kind of virtue signaling and just kind of like taking a stand against like what modern football is and that sort of thing. And like, look at me, look at how against this I am. And I get it. Like, I think that if you are a local fan of these clubs, I a hundred percent get like why you're upset about this sort of thing, because it's not really the values that you identify with with your club. Like as an American though, like it kind of would feel very hypocritical of me to be like, oh, I hate the globalization of soccer when it's like, also, I like a team in London from Atlanta, Georgia. Like, it, it's, I, I don't know. It, to me, it's just kind of, I, I think there are a lot of strong opinions right now. I think people are have their rights to have those opinions wherever they want. But I think kind of when the dust settles a little bit and we actually see a product of this on the pitch, I think people will say maybe this isn't, as bad as we're kind of making it out to be right now. And I have a lot of opinions about the kind of the soul of football, as some people have said, like, where it's like, yes, I'm going to go watch my fly Emirates team play at Emirates stadium against the AIGs or the Yokohamas or or whoever. And it's just like, I I, I think the soul of the game in, in that real purest sense went a long time ago And this is kind of a continuate, like, this is the next step of what happened when we moved from, like, Champions League being the actual champions of leagues to top four type thing to, like, now England gets six teams. Like, I think this is the 
somewhat natural progression of that. And I don't find it that surprising. I get why people are upset. I do, but I do think that once kind of the dust settles a little bit, people are going to kind of come back down from the stances they're putting out right now. So I completely agree. And the one point I do want to hammer in, I think Patrick Bamford made the point today. Uh, Rio Ferdinand made the point today. Uh, It's when people's pockets get touched, everybody comes out and throws a fucking fit about the soul of the game. But when players are getting racially fucking abused left and right, like nothing. Like, you know, they'll come make one statement and that's it. So, like, that that really is the sad reality of the game. And that also shows you that, you know, it's, it's not pure at the end of the day. Like, it, no matter what we want to say about how a, a we as fans matter to the club, we don't. Like, there's always another fan, you know. And ultimately, I think the reality of this situation is also that COVID fucked a lot of these teams up. And this is a very strong financial package that, uh, to be quite honest, teams like Real Madrid, teams like Barcelona, teams in Italy, like they need this because they already weren't in the best. Like Barcelona were in a horrible financial situation. We've talked about this offer a bunch of times. Like financially, COVID just expedited this whole plan. And that's why you don't see like a natural progression. Earlier this season, um, I think during an international break, there were talks about UEFA Champions League essentially like having more teams and having more rounds and allowing more teams from England and all these other nations. So it, it's been in the talks. The revenue situation, I feel like, what is what accelerated this. And at the end of the day, as Braden puts it, like, you know, we're fucking three fans in Atlanta supporting teams in England in three different cities, no less. So, like, it's the, the game is globalized, whether you like it or not. People there can tell you, like, there'll always be people who'll be like, hey, if you don't go to the stadium, you can't have an opinion, kind of a thing. And it's like, well, you know, that they're entitled to have that opinion as, uh, you know, whatever word you want to use to describe that. But at the end of the day, football is football. It's a business now. And this is the sad reality of things. And as Braden said, like, the time to save the soul of football was a long time ago. Like, I, I, I said it in one of my tweets today, like the time to save football was when the Glazers got involved, when Roman got involved, when Cronkies got involved, when City got bought. And like, at the end of the day, the City fans, like I love that they are the ones like a lot of the times coming out and saying like, oh, like we need to save football. Like, bro, like go look at the mirror. Cause before 2000, like you're playing the third division of fucking English football. And now you're considered a European elite. So, like, I think money changes it, and that's what that's where we're at, you know. And we've talked about all the other aspects of football changing, and Premier League, like, it also was a cash situation, or TV rights money situation that it all ended up happening. And personally, for me, I don't know about y'all, like, we, I will agree that this is kind of a natural progression. The only thing that's very unnatural about this is the fact that there's no relegation promotion. And I think that is what really irks me because at the end of the day, Champions League, when it went from one to four teams to like now, like what it is, when it's when it started, like it was about the best of the best. And you had to earn that right to be the best. That is my only, like, that is my biggest sticking point to this. You have to earn that. 
not off the field, where you bring a bunch of fucking money in, like Edward Wynn isn't the fucking star player at Manchester United, like bringing all those deals in. It happens on the fucking pitch. And that ultimately is what irks me. And I think that will be something that will get discussed. And as Braden said, like once more heads get together, like UEFA is not going to ban all the fucking players from playing in the Euros who are involved in those clubs. Like as clearly, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was told about this right after he handed the team sheet in by Edward Ward. And like he, and it came out in the athletic article that it was expected by Edward Ward that he's going to tell the players about this. Like in the pre-match team talk, <laughs> like you know it, it's it's one of those crazy situations she said Arteta like just sent out there without any the news breaks in the middle of the fucking game like this is how out of touch these people are who are making these decisions like that's another just comical thing like United it, the Glazers are heading this right like they're one of the main th- main like Edward was the vice chair or like the one of the Glazers of the vice chair and I'm looking at this being like this is the closest United has been to a Premier League title in eight years. And instead of celebrating that, instead of talking about all of that, we're going to be out here talking about the Super League. Like, that's the awareness of these people. So I think it's sad to see, but like, as Braden said, like the solo football, all of that, like, kind of an argument that needed to be had decades ago, that sadly, I'm sure took place for like people like us. But, um, any other final words, Will, Braden, before we move on to the other firing news of the day today? Uh, I, You guys' sentiments are completely correct. It's a, I'm really – sorry. I'm just imagining Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being like, so, guys, we need to go out here and win this. We're like eight points away from the title. we got six games. It's really important. Also, y'all motherfuckers going to be playing Real Madrid every week during the summer. I don't know what happened. Love you guys. Bye. Like, that is how I imagine it went down, and it's hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would just also like to point out, like, uh, specifically from an Arsenal perspective, it's kind of just how timid, like, our club's re- release on this was. Like, it didn't even have anything from Arsenal's, like, executive team or anything like that. It was just, like, a quote from one of the Glazers on this, and it's just like... You guys really, really are spineless when it comes to this thing. Like, if you're going to do it, like, just own it. And I I don't know. Like, I have lots of feelings about this. I I don't love this. I don't particularly want this to happen. But I I just, I don't think it's the end of football as I've seen in many places on Twitter. Yeah, and I have had texts from people saying they would love to come on the show and voice their opinion. And I'll say this, if we get enough people, if enough of you subscribe, enough of you put a comment and text me or follow me on Twitter or any of these guys and send us a message, if we get to like five, six people, maybe we'll do a special and we'll get you guys over and we'll have a nice discussion about uh, what exactly is the the pros and the cons of this podcast, or not this podcast, but of uh, the Super League and what sh- what should be the end goal as fans moving forward. Uh, having said that, the other explosive news that, I mean, this is how crazy, right? Like, because of the Super League, nobody, even, like, not nobody, but people have not even flinched nine, like, looked at Mourinho getting fired. Uh, uh, it's part of it, I feel like Spurs are like, there's a perfect opportunity. Nobody's going to come questioning and, you know, firing all the way. But at the same time, like, 
Mourinho gone again. This seemed like a last-ditch effort to like stay at the top. Seems like that's gone. And uh, Spurs finally the only club uh, from Mourinho where he failed to win a single trophy. Braden. I I'm very disappointed. I how could Spurs even do this on the day that they qualify for the Super League? Um, I just <laughs> I I don't know. Like it's it's difficult for me to figure out what exactly is the motivation. And and in a lot of ways, I I get it. Like Spurs have underachieved this year from what I think they planned on doing. I think that Mourinho has been a little bit underwhelming at Spurs overall of what they brought him in to do, uh, but. The timing of it's odd. Like, I don't understand why you do it right before a League Cup final. I, I think you kind of, I, well, I don't want to say owe a manager the chance to win a final that he got a team to, but I think you probably should do that. Um, but they didn't choose to do that. And I, it it's, seems to me that a certain player or players probably had a conversation with club leadership and said he goes or I go. And, and I think that generally when that happens, the, the players are always going to win that by and large. Um, so I, I think that's what happened, but it's, it's difficult to see because this has been so buried. It's been difficult to see a lot of like color around what's going on uh, with this move. Uh, it was what I woke up to this morning. Uh, and I, was at shocked at first because it's a very shocking headline, but it makes so it both doesn't and does make sense. It makes sense because Spurs have kind of underperformed to what they're expected to do. Uh, and I think me saying they underperform is me speaking from the voice of the people who own them, also a bunch of spineless bastards. Um, because you know, they haven't lived up to this shiny new stadium that they're in. And that kind of seems like the reason Mourinho went. Like they're not the team that they expected them to be. They're not in the top four. And someone's head's got to roll. To Braden's point, I do think the players were probably involved in this decision. I do think people probably got in someone's ear and were like, eh, not my favorite dude. Get him out of here. Um, what I can't make heads or tails of, Spurs don't go to shit often, all right? They don't win trophies. They don't qualify for finals that much. I mean, I know we played one against them, and they have. But, like, it's not a, a – you don't think of Tottenham and, like, semifinalist in the same sentence a lot. But they're there. They're in a final. And he led them there. And they, like – they played pretty decently and to fire him before that and not after doesn't make sense. Like it now, if they go out and win makes complete sense and I'll shut up. But for right now, this is the guy who got you here and like, you don't go there often. Why are you getting rid of him? I have been highly critical of him and I completely get it. But at this time it like, did he pee in your cornflake or something? Like you, you could have, you couldn't have waited a week. I feel like you should wait a week because get let the man finish what he started, kind of. But maybe because they don't get there that often, like, they want to make sure, like, all the players feel themselves and can go out there and, like, maybe pull off something. So I was going to add to that as well. Like, when you think of the competition with Man City, you've got a, a manager who likes to repair for absolutely everything for a team. And... Now you just throw everything out. Like Pep really has no idea what Spurs are going to do for this match. And like, maybe it will work. Maybe it won't, but it's kind of gives them an odd, like tactical edge for it, where it's just like, 
Pep has no idea really what to prepare, so I think he has to go out with a somewhat vanilla game plan of how they're going to shut down Kane, but Spurs could do something completely different. Yeah, I think overall, like, when you look at Mourinho's tenure with Tottenham, like, the players just didn't seem that happy at the end of it. Like, you know, they, they performed, like, Kane was performing out of this world, Son was doing great initially in the season, and for Mourinho, it it just didn't work out, like, at the end of the day, and I think it's weird because Le- Daniel Levy, like, kind of gave him the reins of the club in a way like he said hey who do you want i'll go get them and they spent a decent amount like they went and got hoiberg they went and got doherty they got uh carlos Vinicius and all of those guys so like they, they spent a decent amount to kind of make the team competitive and i think at one point they just realized like it's it's not the maritza pochettino magic anymore it, it's the run that pochettino had with spurs was great but at the same time a lot of it was just they got lucky like they made their own luck i'm not saying anything against that but like at the end of the day like you don't repeat that where fucking you score a last minute winner against ajax you have a var offside ruled by fucking against man city in the semi-final to go through like those are just crazy games and you don't repeat that the squad and the expectations may have been a bit crazy but as you said, the players are probably involved. Harry Kane's involved. Um, Son, like, I think you kind of always have to look at the over overview and probably the right decision for Spurs if they can get their next manager right. I was thinking, like, who would be that guy? Because, like, you know, everybody's hiring an ex-legend, so maybe they go out and get, like, Scott Parker. Um, don't really know a whole, whole lot of uh, other... I mean, Jamie Redknapp would be good, too. Like, uh, I, I think they have... Uh, interesting number of options and i think sorry is the name that has come up in the past and he's oh wide open so maybe he comes through but we'll see i think uh being part of the super league might attract some uh some top manager to come win the super league with them you know i think sorry would actually be a really good fit for spurs yeah i i think so as well i think mm, chelsea will also be able to like offload Jorginho. And so I, I I do think it could be a nice team out there for Sari. But having said all that, there was also football that was played this past weekend that we put money on, not knowing the craziness that was going to follow. So, Braden, do you want to do the honors of the six games and the results from them? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll do this. Um, so, uh, Sapoon and I both only got one match uh, right this weekend. Uh, to return one thirty-five seventy-one pod dollars and seventy-one pod cents for me, and uh, one sixty-six pod dollars and sixty-seven pod cents for Sapoon on an outlay of six hundred, and Will was the big winner with uh, five hundred one pod dollars and sixty-seven pod cents. Uh, so, really rough weekend for us, but like we've got matches that we need to talk about, and I. I Lots of things happened. <laughs> yeah, and let's get into it. Uh, you, the first game of the weekend was Everton and Tottenham, the last game for Jose Mourinho, as it turned out for him. A 2-2 draw at Goodison. I mean, not the worst result in the world, but at the same time, not the best. Again, going forward, not being able to win 
And this is, I think, what the 20 something points that they've dropped so far from going forward and not being able to hang on to win. So, um, not the performance that you wanted uh, from your ex-manager at the time. And at the same time, when you look at the other side, Everton again, a game they did, could have won, didn't win. And overall, like both the teams with some firing starts to the season are going to come to pretty dim endings. Well, uh, one, I predicted this match to be a draw, but nil-nil. So I'm an idiot. The writing was kind of on the raw for Mourinho with this performance from Tottenham because they they looked like a, a team that you... They looked like a team that was capable of doing something. A team that was going to like challenge for the top four, even in stretches of this match. And then they just fell apart. Uh, one bad defensive mistake allows a penalty. Oh, I... <laughs> even though I don't like them, I expected better from them. Uh, and it was... For, for as thrilling as a 2-2 draw it was, to see where they've come from earlier in the season, I thought there should have been a solid winner. And it was just not a drab performance, but it was kind of uninspiring. Like, it's a 2-2 draw, so it's really exciting, but it wasn't the game that I expected because I thought these teams would play a lot harder and play a little bit more aggressively. And I don't know if I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's almost what you expect of Jose teams right now, where they didn't play that aggressively, and it's it's kind of about sitting back, and, and I don't want to say that hoping that Kane and Son rescue the game, because I, I think that's part of the style of letting them kind of, they do their own thing, and then the rest of the team defends, uh, but that's kind of what it comes down to, I mean... Kane, again, two goals in this match. Like, just where would the Spurs team be without him and just kind of doing it week in, week out like he does? And it's, I don't know, like, there's just, for a team with this much talent around, like, you think of, uh, you think of Bale, you think of uh, guys like LaCelso who could con- contribute, uh, Son, who seems to have faded a little bit. I know he's coming back from injury, uh, but it, it just it, it feels like there's not a lot of support around um, Harry Kane right now, and I, I don't know. Like, to me, it feels like Spurs could like if you just kind of took the weight off the shoulders of Spurs, they could be a lot better than they are right now, and maybe that's what this is going to be. Um, but I think you saw a, a Spurs team that was outplayed a little bit. Um, that Harry Kane just drug them to a draw. And and that's kind of what you saw without him. I think Everton wins this match comfortably, but Kane's a difference in my opinion. Absolutely. And ultimately when Kane is not the, cannot produce something spectacular, it's hard to see them try to, you know, get a win from time to time. And that has been the case over the last couple of weeks. And that is why we did see, him getting fired, I mean, I will say Ancelotti being around for so long in the game, uh, I, I wonder with how many different teams has he faced uh, Mourinho with at this point. Uh, but that would be a good answer to find at some other point. But Newcastle United finally found an answer to how to win is play West Ham, the team that's gone on a run, uh, saw dreams of Champions League football for what it's worth at this point. And, you know, did not produce the best game. Got players sent off in the first half, almost came back. But West uh, Newcastle ultimately winning the game 3-2. 
against West Ham United. So a big, big win for them. Yeah, I, it's, I think that the red card obviously had a big impact on this game. Uh, but I think Newcastle deserved a lot of credit for going out and scoring three goals. I didn't think they could do that just in general, much less against a pretty good West Ham team. And so I think they deserve credit for that. Um, it, and really just an all around, well, good job from Newcastle. West Ham, I think, um, you know, this is kind of what we've, I think, felt about West Ham, where we've said, like, maybe they're not going to make it to Champions League, is that they might have a slip up like this in them. And I think it's kind of what you saw is, like, they made a mistake and they're going to lose three points for that in this match. And, you know, maybe lose Champions League football, like you said, whatever that's worth um, because of it. Um, good to see Joe Willick back from an Arsenal perspective. Uh, scoring goals continuing to do well for Newcastle. Um, we'll see uh, how it goes going forward. But uh, overall, good from Newcastle in this game. I like – I'm going to compliment both teams here because I feel like that's deserved. Newcastle, that's the kind of game you got to win if you don't want to get relegated. So – to go in and get that victory, you have to give the boys credit where credit is due. That's a very important game for them, and it's a very big three points. I want to give a little credit to West Ham, though, because as a team challenging for the top four, yes, you needed this result to go your way. But they showed a little bit of fire that, like, it's a little bit of fight back and intensity that you would want from a team that's challenging for the Champions League. It gives you it gives you good feelings of like they can go to champions league and maybe do something. It gives you, it makes you feel like they're going to do something. So while it is a loss, I think there's something to be said about the fact that this team who we don't really, a lot of people still don't know how they feel about showed you that they have a little bit of fight back and a little bit of give. Now it was against Newcastle. So they may not look the best in the world, but credit where credit is due to both sides. Yeah. I think that is very well put. And overall, I, I, I do feel for West Ham, but at the same time, Newcastle needed this win and ultimately got it. But moving on to the first team that got relegated this season. Hey, something Super League teams are not going to be able to ever uh, achieve in their lifetime. Sheffield United taking on Wolves. Wolves coming out 1-0 winners. Final uh, game where they had a mathematical chance for Sheffield United to stay in the Premier League. Sad to see them go, but this has been a long time coming. A big win for Wolves. I feel like they needed this win to kind of, uh, you know, make a statement themselves. And overall, contrarily, I mean, contrarily point a finger to Sheffield United for losing the game or Wolves, like a good team, beats a bad team more often than not. And Wolves came out on top this time. Well, yeah, uh, it it's pretty straightforward. Isn't it? Uh, this Sheffield United team... Sorry to see you go. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to make it back in the same shape that you were. But writing was kind of on the wall for a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, it stinks. But hopefully there are brighter days ahead. Wolves, two wins on the bounce. Trying to get back to the top half of the table. If I'm this Wolves team, you want to see the season outright. Because you are one of those teams who we kind of, we also kind of expected a lot from you. Maybe not as much as the other team, but we expected more. If they can get those performances together, if they can start 
stringing together some wins and stuff like that. That's going to bode well for them going into next season. And I think if you're a fan of Wolves, if you're on Wolves, you want to be good for next season because that could be the season where Wolves actually make a splash. Uh, with all that being said, I'm glad that you guys are gone. Give me back my fucking song. I I I don't know what to add to that. Um, <laughs> Sheffield overall, like I I think you guys both kind of correctly mentioned that this is coming. This is a team that's just kind of like going out through the motions at this point, uh, kind of accepting their fate. Uh, I thought in the preview that maybe you could get away with a draw, that maybe Wolves wouldn't score, but they did, um, and. Sheffield couldn't score themselves. And so like, it's just kind of where this cl- club are right now. Like they are not a team that's kind of really doing anything uh, well right now. And, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you see teams that after the relegation finally happens, they, they kind of have like a dead cat bounce after uh, afterwards. But I, I don't know if you're going to see that in, in this uh, Sheffield team. So, Good for Wolves to go out and get the win. Um, I'm not sure it's a statement. If I were Wolves, I'd be a little concerned that you only scored one against a Sheffield team that's not very good. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how Wolves are built as well. So they squeaked out the result that they needed. Good all the way around uh, for both squads. Yeah. And to Will, uh, the song came from the Copa Libertadores fans. Like, chill out. Um, I know where the song. I know where it came from. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, let's. I I don't really have a whole lot to add. So let's move on to the next game. A team that really loves the art of now winning games right now in Fulham. In the 97th minute, 96th minute, absolute chaos in the penalty box. Mad Ryan coming in clutch. Uh, something you don't really hear very often in Atlanta, and. <laughs> Arsenal won, Fulham won, Will, uh, actually, Braden, your thoughts about this game? Fuck this game. Like, I, I just, I hate it so much. Like, this is another match where I think Arsenal got really cute with it. They played, uh, you know, Elneny in midfield, uh, Matt Ryan at keeper, which turned out to be what got us a draw, which is weird, but okay, um... I don't know. There was a lot of, I don't want to say it was completely disrespectful to Fulham, but I, I think it was a lot of trying to heavily, heavily rotate before Europa League coming up. And I, I think that hurt us a little bit. And in some ways, fair enough. Like the Premier League doesn't really matter that much to Arsenal right now. It's mostly about winning the Europa League if they can. And Arsenal still kind of managed to hurt their prospects with that with Lacazette going out with the, hamstring injury so i i don't know like it's good for matt ryan it was it was nice to see him as a as an arsenal fan uh growing up to see him contribute to get a draw like i was really happy for him to see that but uh other than that like kind of fuck this game (laughs) i'm so tired of watching an arsenal team be way too organized to go beat a bottom of the table Premier League team. Arsenal running running straight towards the running away from the finish line, as they would put it. Um so to to Fulham, they put on a pretty decent defensive performance towards the end. Uh you know, until they didn't. Um so just to speak to that, I 
if they can hold a little bit harder against teams who they are like laterally against as far as their upcoming matches, maybe they can salvage something. They just need to keep their wits about them. Um, someone who didn't keep his wits about him was Scott Parker. Uh, I just want to speak to that last goal. It, he was onside, dude. Just give it up. There's no need to go in the, into the dressing room and just berate these four fourth officials. Um, with that being said, it was great to watch. Um, I don't know what to make of Arsenal. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, it literally at us at this point, it's like that name brand thing. Like I think because I'm seeing that it's Arsenal, I just assume they're about to go out there and run all over your dreams. And that is not that team. And what's worse now is my favorite player on that team is now injured. And I ain't say this word in a minute, him being the linchpin of the team, Mr. Lacazette, that that's going to make things 10 times harder. <laughs> and they're already 10 times hard. So I just, I pray that Arsenal do something good and Arteta does something nice because I just, I I feel bad for y'all. Not in like a condescending way. Like, I just don't understand why Arsenal can't like play up to snuff right now. And maybe they can, uh, you know, depend on their 300k a week striker who was signed off or they fired all those people. Um, but having said that, I mean, it does winning Europa League even matter anymore? Because, like, you guys are going to be in the Super League? I mean, are we sure the Super League is happening this year? Because I am certainly not. I mean, they, they all they all backed out of the Champions League. So, or the, the European Club Association, that essentially is how they get into the Champions League. So, like, it, it is going to be a very interesting dynamic if the clubs cannot kick things off. But... I mean, Arsenal, like, you you got to give it to them because they fought till the very end. Like, th- that is the one thing you got to give to them. And moments like these, at the end of the day, is how a young team learns how to fight. Like, it wasn't the best performance. It w- it's not the best results. You're not going to remember this 10 years from now. But at the end of the day, like, for young players, like, these are games where they, instead of losing all three points, get got that point. So, just my point of view, and especially with a young team, like, can't really be that uh, aggressive. But... Manchester United, I mean, uh, as a fan watching it was fucking amazing. Uh, goal of the season right there with the, the Mason Greenwood first goal. And, I mean, a big win for Manchester United. It hadn't been Burnley in six tries. Going back to 2015 was the last Man United win uh, against Burnley at Old Trafford. So, a big win for United. Uh, eight games to go. You've got... Uh, no, sorry, six games to go. You've got eight points. Brain, Mason Greenwood's firing. United look decent again. Do you think there is a hint hint of a title race left within this team right now? So, like, if you've ever built a campfire, you know that there's a moment when you are trying to get the fire going where it's a very make or break moment. Like either the fire like actually catches a uh, flame and starts burning or the little piece of kindling goes out. And I think that United's right at that point right now where it's very likely that it goes out um, because I, I just think the city team is going to be too hard to, to catch. But that said, I mean, it's it's within distance of it, right? Like, it is actually a tie race, and they are actually putting some pressure on City. And so, 
you know, weird things can happen sometimes when you do that. Like, I do think that City are going to try to win the Champions League, and I think the plan was to prioritize that after they got out to a little bit of a lead earlier is in, in the Premier League, and maybe they can't do that as much. Like, I, I think it's interesting. I think that there will be a little bit of a race, but I think United are very much long shots. Um as far as catching City. As far as this game, really nice uh, from United overall. Uh, I don't know that I share your goal of the season <laughs> comments, but a very nicely worked team goal. Uh, the dummy from Bruno was, was very, very effective. Um, you, can, you can watch that several times over, and it just gets better and better. Um, but, you know, they took care of business against Burnley, and that's what uh, this team does. I, I think one thing that I kind of contrast from the Arsenal game we just talked about was that, you know, United, when they're playing a team like this, kind of go out and just feel free to go out and beat a team. Whereas, like, Arsenal always feels so restricted by the system they're trying to do and so organized. And I think that's kind of what you see in some of these games where United go out and let their talent beat these teams. And I think that's why you're seeing where United are in the table right now over the course of the season, because they are more talented than most teams and they're capable of going out and beating them. Can't, can't necessarily argue. Uh, I specifically on the preview podcast, I said, I thought this was going to be a draw in which Manchester United fought back and showed some class, but it was going to end up being a draw. I'm wrong. And that's fine. <laughs> uh, because everything I said still applies. They just won. <laughs> so, all the stuff I said still means something. They just played way better than I thought they were going to. And that's on me for not trusting the fact that Mason Greenwood is still a kid and has a lot of talent. And maybe we should like let the dude grow in his own time. He was class in this game. I can't really fault him. For, like I can't fault Manchester United as much as I want to, because I hate them. They played a really good game to speak to the title because I'm not going to speak to Burnley because hashtag beige. There's the very, tiny part of me just wants y'all to push them right to the edge i don't want it that much because i hate everything about this season city got a lot of shit on their plate and when you have that much shit in your plate even though you have 15 different teams who can win champions leagues you might slip up and you might make some mistakes and you might be susceptible to a capitulation i don't want it to happen i don't need it to happen my mental health doesn't need this, but I think if United can string together some performances and the ghost of Jose Mourinho can get them a fucking trophy, maybe City starts to get a little squishy and maybe you bastards have a run. I mean, I don't actually think there is a title race. I will always say I remember 2011-12. I remember when six, six games to go, we had an eight-point lead. And, you know, we had the greatest manager and all of that, and it just didn't work out. But we also played City in that time frame. So um, I think, like, we don't have a doubt. Like, this is the first time post-Ferguson that I'm like, I wish we had a derby left. Because, like, you know, I feel like we would have beaten them. But at the end of the day, like, maybe the De Bruyne injury against uh, Chelsea does something. But, I mean, they've got great doctors in Barcelona. So um, I'm very certain that uh, Pep will take care of things. And... Who knows? Maybe at, like Jackie Boy, if you're playing Ross Barkley, everybody 
Ollie Watkins, if you boys can give them a game and get some sort of a result, man, I will fucking hate myself going into the next game. But uh, I do want to say, though, at the end of the day, man, it, it felt really sad to see us be this close to the Champions League. Uh, not Champions League. To the Premier League and really, like, again, everything just is overblown and overshadowed by the Super League news. Like, it, it was pretty sad because you can't even enjoy the moment as much. But somebody that did enjoy the moment very, very much was Patrick Bamford with a late, late equalizer against Liverpool. I mean, Leeds fans made their uh, voices heard. They made their opinions uh, pretty well known, what they thought about um, the game. The players came out with the T-shirts that said, Are you earn it with the Champions League logo, logo on it, which, I mean, I wonder what the copyright issues of that would be. Um, and, I mean... Leeds, like, they have been a very decent team at the end of the day, what, seven points behind Liverpool? So, like, they are, they, on the basis of this season, they aren't that different. We saw that the first game of the season when Liverpool barely won 4-3, and this time around, there was just enough from Leeds to come out and, you know, get the point that they deserved, in my opinion. And, um, I would say, like, it's looking likely that they're not going to be in Champions League next year, Will, but, Again, like I don't know what that really means right now. We'll we'll be in some league for some stupid fucking trophy. I don't know. Um, everything that I said about Arsenal and how is like I just don't know and I just don't get it. Also applies to my club. I Leeds deserved that draw. They looked a decent side. I I fully expect for this Leeds team to do stuff big next year. I think they're going to manage to retain some of those players. And I think there are better performances ahead. I think Biels is a hell of a manager. And I think this match is a perfect encapsulation of what they had this season, who they are, and of how just bereft of passion and thought Liverpool kind of look. Uh, when we go on forward, we look really good. But there's a lot of time meandering on the ball. I just, I can't. I'm going to say what I told these guys off air. I'm going to be, say it on air because I'm going to stand by this because I just can't deal. When they scored, I went, eh, I knew it was going to happen and just threw my phone. Like I was done. And that's kind of where I am with this season. I don't know what to make of this team. I don't know what to make of these owners. I don't know what to make of my mental state. All I know is I want to give some credit to Leeds because they look like a really exciting, fun team. And I can't wait to see them play next year in the Premier League. And, you know, possibly champions because Liverpool aren't there anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think just Leeds deserve a lot of credit. Uh, they went out and not that not that most of the league is afraid of Liverpool at this point. Like, like I, I do think that it's kind of come down a little bit from where Liverpool have been the last couple of years of just going out and really winning a lot of games. <laughs> almost you felt like as they were coming out of the tunnel. Uh, I don't think it's like that uh, for Liverpool right now uh, overall with the league. But I, I do think that there's still an edge sometimes with teams that are a little bit lower down the table, like a Leeds. And I do think that, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for going out. And in my opinion, they outplayed Liverpool today. And so they had a few chances that if they had to score them before they did, like it's maybe they go out and win this game. Uh, 
but overall, I I think that both teams will be mostly happy with this. Um, I think, you know, especially with Klopp, like I think he's in feeling a certain kind of way after the Super League uh, type stuff because he is one that's been very on the record against it in the past. And so I, I don't know. Like there's there's other factors potentially, but, you know, lots of credit for Leeds to go out and get the straw. Um, Liverpool still are a very difficult team for me to figure out. At times they look like world beaters. At times they seem very happy to go through the motions. Yeah, I, I think both of you covered that pretty well, and I wish I could really be sitting here making... I mean, I, I, fuck it, bro. You guys are not going to make the Champions League next year for what it's worth. I'm going to keep saying it until it means nothing. But uh, we already covered the Chelsea-Brighton game earlier in our previous preview podcast, so you can go check out the betting lines from there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the midweek fixtures and what we think is going to happen to them. So, see you on the other side. What is up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast. This is going to be fairly quick. Just three games to preview. Starting off with Spurs taking on Southampton. Spurs at minus 135. Southampton at plus 525. The draw at plus 285. Will, you think they're going to get a man, new manager bounce, or do you think this is going to be more of the same from Spurs? Uh, my brain says more of the same. My heart says they come out and play better. I'm going to take Southampton because 525 is a hell of a line, and and eventually Hausen Huntel has to get his boys playing. to like I expect a lot from the Southampton team. Maybe it was just me. But I think he's going to get a performance out of them. They're up and down. This is going to be an up. Spurs go down. I take Southampton. Danny for fucking. I don't even feel like talking about Danny Ings. That's how. That's how. That's how I feel this week. Can you bounce with me? Bounce with me. Um, I've got Spurs uh, winning this game. I think that they're going to be rejuvenated a little bit from Mourinho uh, getting sacked and no longer being there. I I think that you see a little bit of a weight lifted off of the Spurs team and. You know, kind of like we talked about with looking ahead to the final uh, this weekend. Um, I I do think that Southampton now have to go, well, what do we plan for? And I, I think it's going to be tough for them to overcome. So I, I've got Spurs in this one. Yeah, Sam, I'm going to go with Spurs as well in this situation. I think new manager for what it's worth, I think, takes the shackles off a little bit. And... To be honest, like they have quality, right? Like they've got Indombele, they've got Sun, they've got Kane, they've got um, what's that fucking guy's name? Um, Deli Ali that we haven't seen in a very long time. Like he's a decent, decent player at the end of the day, and uh, I think they they probably have a field day against Southampton, but just because the way Southampton played, they'll play with some more freedoms. It should be a very, very good game to watch. Something I haven't said about Spurs in a very, very long time. Moving on to the big, big game, in my opinion. Uh, Aston Villa taken on Manchester City. Villa at plus 800. Man City at minus 275. Draw at plus 390. Do you think, either one of you, that there's a chance that the plus 800 hits in this game? Brayden? It's a very small chance. Um, Can it happen? Sure. But... That's not really where I put my money on. I I still like City overall in this match. Um, I think City are just overall too good. Um, but there's a tiny chance that Villa could do something. 
it's it there is a tiny chance Villa can do something. They ain't. Uh for all of the posturations I did about maybe City falling apart, maybe capitulation, ain't gonna happen. They're gonna win this match pretty soundly. Uh better days for Villa. I wish worse days upon City. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to go that route as well. I think City, especially after that defeat against uh, Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final, I mean, you know, if you don't win the quadruple, your season's a failure. That's that's the standard Man City is set at this point. And uh, that loss is probably what galvanizes them in this game. I think if Jack Grealish was playing, Villa was a fully fit team, I think this could be somewhat of a chance. But at the end of the day, I think City are just too good. And... Villa are not so good. So I'm going to go with Man City as well. Come on, Villa. Moving on to the last game for the midweek slate. We've got Leicester City at minus 170, taking on West Brom at plus 500. The draw at plus 305. Well, this really has to be the game, right? Like Leicester has to come out and win and kind of be like, hey, we are not falling apart. Because if they don't, I think there's a very good likelihood they're going to get dragged into the fourth and third place races for what they're worth. They're, like, I've said it before, like, Brendan Rodgers' teams have uh, traditionally kind of get their heads a little fucked up towards the end of the season. Um, I really want to take West Brom to just continue my, like, conspiracy theory that like this is going to happen but i can't in good conscience do that because i think this lesser team is just a little bit better than maybe i gave them credit for the past couple episodes this west brom team is going to show up and they're going to play real hard but i need someone to stop sam allardyce and if it's got to be brendan rogers it's going to be brendan rogers so brendan do your thing fuck sam's life up i got lester let's go yeah so i'm going to be the counterparty to that i think that you've got a west brom team that won uh, two games on the trot. They've had 10 days off versus uh, Leicester playing this past weekend. I think they've got a good shot this game. And when I look at the line uh, with it at plus 500 for West Brom, I'm willing to step out on that ledge. I I think it is a big risk because I, Leicester are the better team. Like I, I don't want it to sound like I, I'm saying that West Brom are better than Leicester. I just think that when you look at kind of some of the age profiles and injuries that Leicester have dealt with this season. I I kind of think that all of the rest that West Brom have had can make a really big difference in a match, especially when West Brom are still just trying to hang on and see if they can stay up. And, you know, three weeks ago, I would have told you there's no chance West Brom stay up, but you know, five, two against Chelsea, three nil against Southampton. Like, I'm done kind of burying them, and I'm interested to see where they go from here. Um, so we'll see. Like I, Lesser is still probably the obviously the favorites in this match, but I think West Brom have a better than decent shot. Yeah, I have to go with that. I think the rest for West Brom and what's at stake at the end of the day. I think they want to stay in the Premier League and winning this game. If they win both their games in hand against Fulham, they are ahead of Fulham. So I think the incentive is definitely, definitely there for West Brom to come out and do something. And 
that's the reason I'm going to go for a draw because I think uh, Leicester just have that quality at the end of the day. And I'm just not as willing to go all the way with West Brom as I am with the draw. It's pretty decent lines. I'm not going to go with Leicester in this case just because I don't feel comfortable with the way that they have played. And they've, they had the euphoria on Sunday. Big, big win for them to get to the FA Cup final. I think their first one in my lifetime, at least. So it, it is pretty big for Leicester. And I think this would be a perfect letdown spot for them. Having said that, Friday is when the action kicks off again. We'll have a whole slate of fixtures to preview for the upcoming weekend. We'll also be able to review these games next time we record. So on that note, that is it from us. And uh, we shall see you next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. I had no joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just waiting for some obscure uh, wrestling reference that I, I didn't I understand. Had, no. I literally drew a blank. I was like, I'd, someone say something. <laughs>